Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon, and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, all about beauty beyond the BS. This episode is dedicated to the one and only truly iconic hairstylist Guido Palau, otherwise known as Guido. And that's all down to a conversation I had with an extremely talented hair artist who I also call my friend, Joy Matashi. She was on the show back in May 2020, if you can remember that time. And that was one of my last face-to-face podcasts, actually. We had such a good time and we've remained friends ever since. And at the end of 2022, we caught up face to face again. And while we were chatting, at one point, Joy looked right into my eyes and said, you need to do an episode on Guido Palau. And I was like, she's not she's not wrong. Um, We had a chat even more recently in the DMs and she sent me some voice notes And after listening to her notes, she really gave me this kind of understanding. And she brought up the fact that makeup artists and editors always have their day and the acclaim. But we never really make a fuss of hairstylists. And they really put in the hours. They've got so many years of expertise, but also the practical side of doing things to someone's hair, cutting it, styling it. And on top of that, they often have to work to somebody else's mood or their vibe. I'm not talking about celebrity hairdressers like Chris Appleton, who, by the way, I've known him from a very young age. I don't think he'd remember me anymore, but I've definitely known him since he got his start. And I've seen the amount of work he's put in, you know, and today he works with the likes of the Kardashians and Jennifer Lopez. So, yes, People like Chris absolutely get that attention. You know, he's on the cover of magazines, but I'm talking about the stylist that you might not see. You, Many of you probably won't even have heard of Guido Palau, but he's one of the hairdressers that puts in serious hours. He's got a packed schedule. He'll be doing back-to-back shows as well as campaigns. And many of the people like Guido could also own their own salon or work in a salon. The hair world is one that works extremely hard. I've been lucky enough to write about hairdressing ever since I started in journalism. And, you know, just think of your hairdresser, the time that they put in. They see you, they give you the vision that you see in your head. And once you're done in their chair, they have to do the same thing again and again with somebody else for the rest of their day. They are constantly on their feet. In fact, the hairdressing world kind of has a few ailments that are very specific to the kind of work they do. They often get repetitive strain injury, RSI, or varicose veins, aching backs. And also, hairdressing is a career that often starts really young. I've lost count of the amount of hairdressers that I've spoken to that have told me they started when they were 13, you know, like sweeping up the stray hairs and cleaning. But I have to say with Guido Palau, Things started relatively late for him at the age of 20. Um, We're going to get into that in a little bit. But I just wanted to say one more thing about the hair industry because I do feel that it's a privilege to often be behind the scenes and see what goes on. It is always a place of constant learning and it's very different to fashion and beauty for me. Hair is just 
anyone that works in the hair profession, they never stop learning. They are always learning whether that's a specific course, so like the academic route, or whether it's being on set or backstage. I feel that the good hairdressers remain curious about hair and what it can do. And that just never stops. And I think that's one of the reasons why I agree with Joy that Guido deserves or requires an entire episode. And while I mentioned earlier that you might not even have heard of Guido, I don't think you need to be immersed in the hair world or in love with hair as much as Joy is to understand the power of Guido's work. Because once you see it, you see such talent, imagination, nostalgia and foresight. You know, he's someone that absolutely will reach back into an era to bring you something that's made for now or for the future. Before we get into all of that, if you haven't seen his work, definitely head to my TikTok. I've prepared a special Guido video. I can't cover everything in three minutes, but hopefully you'll see a little bit more. And if you subscribe to my newsletter at beautymenotes.substack.com, I'll be sure to share even more imagery for you to see just what Guido's work is all about. So let's just see this episode as a kind of potted history of Guido Palau and his three decade long career. And Guido, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the show. Let's start at the beginning. Guido was born in a small seaside town in Dorset in 1962. He was the fourth son of a Spanish father and English mother. And in a 2014 interview with Vogue magazine, he said he truly felt inspired by the decades he grew up in. He said, I was lucky to grow up in a time where hair was very expressive and you did get these extreme characters. It was the mid 80s and it was a very exciting time in London because it was the whole new culture of street style and new magazines and new designers. It was like the dawning of a new era in fashion. I was going out at night and there were crazy people with crazy fashion. So, of course, he's mentioned London there, but as I said, he, he grew up in Dorset. I don't think he found that kind of excitement back home. But he does say that the 70s and 80s, he finds them to have been very informative. He says that they really informed his approach to hair, thanks to movements such as punk and new wave. And he also mentions in that article that he feels that today or at least back in 2014 for this interview, he felt that style had become really downplayed and that people on the street often end up looking very alike. And I really do get that. I do feel that, I mean, we've got style accounts and we've got style icons, but for the average person, I often feel that style often means like just playing it safe and looking like everybody else to be kind of accepted. I guess we kind of learned that in our formative years at school. I also think that hair though is quite different to playing with makeup or clothes. Makeup washes off, clothes you take them off. But if you make a major change to your hair, you're going to be stuck with it for at least a few weeks or many months if you decide to shave it off. Once it's gone, it's gone. So perhaps that why hair has become kind of like a little bit more homogenous. You know, you've got the scraped back ponytail, you've got the low bun, you've got the top knot. Then what else have you got? Big bouncy waves for the girls that have got big hair. Yeah, I guess it's kind of few and far between if you think of someone's style kind of coming through their hair. 
But for Guido, I think what he's managed to work out is just the individual side to hair and how it can make you feel. But anyway, let's go back to when Guido finished school and he actually had no clue of what he wanted to do with his life. And so he kind of floated around. He hitchhiked around Europe. He worked in burger bars. He DJed for a bit. And when he turned 20, he literally thought, I think I better get a job. But he said that hair was never really his thing. If anything, he was very attracted to art and style, imagery and magazines. So the decision kind of came about more as a practical one. It wasn't like he'd had this urge to create, you know, like I said, I've interviewed a lot of hairdressers and some of them are driven to play with their own hair, play with their friend's hair, to cut it off, to color it. He did not have that in him. He just thought hair could be a way to get into a more creative career path, I think. As with many of the hair greats, he started working at Vidal Sassoon and Vidal Sassoon would absolutely be one of the most technically accurate approaches to hair. Definitely back in the 80s and 90s, it was the place to train. It had extremely high standards. I would go I would go as far to say the standards were still high now, but I think Sassoon really had a moment for a few decades. It was very much about perfection and symmetry or asymmetry and it just, like as a former hair magazine editor, I can tell a Sassoon cut a mile off. I've had a Sassoon cut and I <laughs> I didn't want to go down this path, but I really didn't enjoy it. Um, I had my natural hair at the time. And one thing I won't say Sassoon was known for is Afro hair or textured hair. Um, but that is a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. But suffice to say, I didn't enjoy my Sassoon cut. It was like somebody tried to turn my curls into a Sassoon cut. You know, that when I talk about symmetry and perfection. So anyway, as with many institutions that have a very, you know, defined look and way of teaching, I think it proved quite stifling for Guido. And I say this because one day he thought it would be a bit of fun to change all of the names in the appointment book to celebrity names. Apparently, like this included Barbara Streisand. And when management at the salon found out, they soon dismissed him. He was kicked out of Sassoon. In fact, he was told he would never make it as a hairdresser. So that was a bit excessive, I think, and obviously completely wrong because one thing I love about that story is that years later Guido would get to have a full circle moment and he actually met Vidal Sassoon himself when V Magazine asked him to interview the hairdressing giant. So I'm just going to refer to this 2017 interview for fashionista.com where Guido shares this story. He says, much later in my career, a magazine somewhere compared me with his meaning Vidal aesthetic about breaking down rules of beauty so they asked if we could interview each other for a piece I interviewed Vidal Sassoon and he interviewed me it wasn't he himself who fired me and he knew nothing of me he was living in Los Angeles and I was in London I told him about getting fired and it was humorous and funny but it was also me being like yeah I got there and I love that it's kind of Guido being cheeky like yeah your people told me I'll never make it but look at me now I think it's so amazing 
that he got to have that full circle moment because at the time when he was fired, he could have gone so many different ways. He was told hair wasn't for him, but instead he kind of checked out several other salons in London. And one day a girl was headed to a photo shoot and she asked him to carry her bag, you know, full of her kit and all these hairpins. And he said that when he arrived on the set, he started to realize the possibilities of hair. He quit the salon, he got a portfolio together and got himself an agent. Now, that's a pretty big move considering his training wasn't even complete at this time. He just had this idea and went for it. It's that kind of tenacity and self-belief that would next see Guido getting his first really big break. He ended up working on what would become probably the most iconic music video of the 90s, George Michael's Freedom 90. Guido says that at the time, he didn't even know how he got the job. He just knew that he was very nervous and he knew that it would become a big deal. And he says that he's still very proud of that video today. From there, it just kind of escalated for him. He began to collaborate with other people. And one such person that he collaborated with for many years, actually, is photographer David Sims. And they just really they were just a really great duo. They started to work together. They'd be seen in magazines such as The Face. And it was that work that attracted the attention of American designer Calvin Klein. He would go on to hire them to work on a 1993 campaign featuring Kate Moss. And I think Calvin was drawn to the pair because of Guido's very undone approach to hair. Some even called it non-hair. And I feel that his style was absolutely the precursor for grunge, which of course was a moment that Calvin Klein, the brand, was just leaning into with that 1993 campaign. I will share images of that in that TikTok and on my newsletter for you, just so you can see it's a very specific look. If you're not familiar with grunge when it comes to fashion, it was actually a music-led fashion movement that was almost anti-fashion, is very raw and undone, very real, the antithesis of 80s glamour, and Calvin Klein himself called it anti-glamour. Words such as subversion and deconstructed would often be applied to the looks of the time. So if you think kind of 1992 to early 1994, the looks were often built around drainpipe jeans, floral slip dresses, very courtly love, leather jackets over the slip dresses, utility style boots, Doc Martens, it was definitely a time that was ready for Guido's undone approach to hair. Definitely about that individuality that he likes to talk about. And I think that also carried him through to the next 90s fashion moment, which was much more about minimalism and simplicity, a very stripped back look at beauty and hair. It's that amazing eye and vision that led to Guido forming long-term relationships with other photographers such as Stephen Mizell and designers like Alexander McQueen. And he would work with makeup artists such as Pat McGrath, Val Garland, Francois Nars on shows for literally everybody. Like the list would be endless. There's no point me giving you the entire list. It's like Miu Miu, Givenchy, Prada, Marc Jacobs, Dolce Gabbana. It's everybody. Again, from that 2017 article on Fashionista, Guido explains how he goes about working with fashion designers and making their vision come to life. 
All the designers that I've worked with throughout the years have inspired me and taught me about their idea of beauty. When I work with Mucia Prada or Marc Jacobs or Alexander McQueen and they explain their idea of beauty, I learn from that. Working with great photographers like Stephen Mizell and Richard Avedon and David Sims and them encouraging me to do my best work, that's how I've become a really good hairdresser. It's not like I'm the best hairdresser in the world. I've just been around amazing people who have helped me and guided me. Now, I think Guido's being a little bit modest there. <laughs> you know, I get what he's saying. Those amazing fashion designers and photographers feed his creativity, but also he feeds them. And let's not forget, this is the hairdresser who created those amazing otherworldly fins for the models for what would be Alexander McQueen's final show, Plato's Atlantis, in 2010. He made these fins on the models' heads and it just, it really marked a new look for McQueen and that is why I think it's so sad that that was his final show. These The women on the catwalk were these creatures and that is down to not just Alexander McQueen but it's also down to his collaboration with Guido. And I think Guido... The way he talks about hair, he is the example of why collaboration is so important. I feel like today we are much more about me, me, me. I took this picture. I created this design. And collaboration is a different kind of word today. I think it's way more transactional. It'd be like, oh, I collabed with a brand. And it's like, yeah, to create content and sell something. Whereas back in the 90s, the 2000s, Collaboration meant a group of people working together to make something come to life, to make something real and something that lasted. They all had a stake in it. So it was very important that they put the work in to get the job done. And I really admire that. In that same article, Guido talks about his early networking days, which again, I think is a word that's kind of changed. I feel today networking is like, oh, connections and who who do you know that can hook me up with this? But he says back in the day, a lot of being freelance in the fashion business then was connecting with people and becoming part of a working gang of people with the same vision. Back then, the fashion industry wasn't so public. People didn't really know about it. So you felt like you were in this inner sanctum of people who were creative. I wasn't in the epicenter then, but I wanted to get to the epicenter. So again, he's talking about vision and collaboration. And I love that. He's never said, I am Guido Palau and I am the epicenter. But two things that would absolutely signal his position at the very center of the fashion industry would be his 15-year-old relationship with product company Redken, which began in 2005 and ended during the 2020 lockdown, as well as the British Fashion Council, including him on their 25 most powerful people in fashion list in 2009. That relationship with Redken truly gave the brand this serious fashion edge. I remember how much it changed. I always thought that Redken was a very exciting fashion-led brand. And rather than it being a case of a brand telling their creative director about their vision and what consumer products they're releasing... I feel that it was more a case of Redken watching what Guido would rely on backstage, see what he would pick up time after time, and then working that technology into a product offering for consumers, but also products that would suit professionals who are working on their salon client day in, day out. 
When Guido announced the end of that relationship with Redken, he did hint at perhaps launching his own hair care range. I don't think that's ever happened. I'm not sure if it will because I know it would be lapped up by the industry, but I don't know how he'd find the time to do it because he's easily one of the busiest, if not the busiest hairstylist out there. When he's not working on shows or campaigns, he's working on Vogue magazine covers with the likes of Naomi Campbell, Lady Gaga, Adele, Kaya Gerber, the list goes on. Of course, once your career starts to gain the status that Guido's has, it's inevitable you're probably going to get offered a book deal. And I think it's important to document your work. I think it must be so easy to perhaps forget something that you created, you know, 10, 20, 30 years before. So in 2014, alongside his long-term collaborator, David Sims, he brought out his book called Hair. He dedicated it to the memory of Alexander McQueen. And at the same time, he was actually working on around 30 masks and these very theatrical hair pieces for the McQueen Savage Beauty exhibition as it made its way from the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York to London's V&A. And that's one of those exhibitions I am so grateful that I got to see because I'll never forget the feeling in those rooms just... From the clothes, obviously, but also the styling, the colors, the sounds, the sadness that kind of lingered in the room, as well as excitement, because it was just an amazing spectacle. In 2021, Guido released another book called Hashtag Hair Tests, which shows imagery from behind the scenes, his many experiments in texture and some of his tryouts for catwalk looks. And it's this second book, which unfortunately only had an initial run of a thousand copies. So I can't find it anywhere at a reasonable price. But it's this book that leads me to my next subject, which is Guido's willingness to accept change. Within the hair industry at large, I will say as someone that's working in it from the inside, you know, not just as a journalist, but I have assisted firsthand salons and hairdressers with their own social media I have seen that the use of social media and tech in general has been a very, very slow uptake. It's just a very, you know, people talk about early adopters, but the hair industry and social media or the hair industry and the metaverse, that's a whole other subject. It is late adoption. And I think that's because they don't have time to think about posting content. They're literally creating it all day, every day. They are creating looks on the shop floor. And obviously somebody like Guido, he's backstage creating looks or working on campaigns. They work so hard. And I just think social media has never been, it's just, it's always been this thing that was there. But I feel that any good hairdresser is so, they have so much pride in the work that they do. And they have so many industry awards, by the way. There are so many hair industry awards. I think perhaps that's their kind of like, grand you know events you know it's not about sharing every day what they're up to it's more like let me get my head down and work on these looks and then some of them if they can afford the money to put a hair collection together which is like much like a fashion designer would have a collection hairdressers will also do collections of imagery that will focus on anything from four to eight very different hairstyles that they've put together 
And that can be a way of them really showing their signature to the world or their clients. But even that takes investment and time. And I do think the average hairdresser is just very busy. You know, they're literally working on the shop floor. But I would say over the past five years or so, hair salons in general are realizing that social media can also be your shop window. And it's actually a really neat way for you to take bookings these days, depending on what platform you're on. Guido is someone that's an extremely booked and busy stylist. And he said back in that um, 2014 Vogue article that he was not interested in social media. I'll just read a little bit here for you. I've chosen not to do any of the social media, but I don't know if I'll survive that. Not doing it is a very relaxing thing because really it's another part of your job now. I find it quite a stress thing. You don't know who's taking the picture now. Things go up. Hashtag Guido Palau. Before, when someone took your picture, it was just for them. Now it's for anyone. I'm not judging, each to their own, of course, but I'm trying to see how long I can go before I'm made to do it. And that point makes me laugh because I think many hairdressers may feel like they're made to do it to appear, you know, they might be working with a hair care brand and it's important to be seen on social media. I think it's very much a, if you didn't put it on Instagram, did it even happen kind of culture. But I really respect that while Guido clearly back in 2014 was not interested with the release of his 2021 hashtag hair test book, it's clear that he's come around to it. He's not in denial as I have to say some hairdressers still are. And this is not me bashing hairdressers. This is me saying, look, I'm part of your crowd and I see the power of social. I see how much it can help you. But yeah, I feel that Guido realized it and his hashtag hair test is a really wonderful way of seeing what he's up to. You know, he is a brilliant hairdresser and through that hashtag, you get to see what he's up to, what he's creating, whether it's just an experiment for himself or if it's for an actual catwalk look that he's working on or a campaign. So I'm guessing he's probably not the one doing the posting. I don't think he could be bothered to do that based on what he said before. But as I say, I think he's accepted that social media is the way of the rest of the world. He doesn't have to love it, but he acknowledges its potential. And I think he undoubtedly encouraged many other stylists to embrace social media. In closing, I would say if I could narrow it down, there are really two key things that set Guido apart from anyone else throughout his I think it's around 34 years or it's, you know, it's a three decades long career, put it that way. I think first it's his attitude. He's worked with the greats, but he's also very aware of the hairdresser, you know, of what the hairdresser is, what they do. I don't know if he ever considers hairdressers on the shop floor now because he's so far removed from that. But I do think he gets that it is, it's a service that he's providing And in that same 2014 interview with Vogue, he said, I don't really think about success. On some level, I still feel like a freelancer and like I might lose a job. I don't think I could ever get bored. I'm very lucky. And it's that love that never assuming that his career will always be so incredible that keeps Guido at the top, I think. The second thing that sets him apart is just the fact that he never stops. Even today, he's one of the busiest stylists on the fashion circuit. Apparently, he often works at least 30 shows a season. 
He never stops creating. He, he loves to share his work. He pushes his work. And I think he's someone that lightly pushes his life as well. You don't really get to read much about his private life. I know he lives with his partner, who is an artist in New York, I believe. But we don't really get much else of Guido. I think he is someone that really does put his heart and soul into his work. And I just wanted to share as a final note from that 2017 interview, this quote where the interviewer asked him about his approach to hair. He says, every time I do something, I try to make the beauty questionable. I've always looked for the outside idea of beauty, not the classical side. Hopefully, I've always pushed the idea of alternative beauty. I always felt like I was on the outside and I understand people on the outside. I like that person that doesn't quite fit into the regular beauty mold. And I've always celebrated that in my work. The idea of conventional beauty doesn't interest me that much. And it's that final quote that really made me want to add my own personal note to this episode because I love that he talks about people on the outside and alternative beauty. I think if you're a regular listener or perhaps you check out my TikToks, I don't always go for the obviously beautiful. You know, it's like there's so many pretty things around, but sometimes it's far more interesting to just look beyond that and look at what is the alternative. It's not about perfection. And I feel that Guido was the quintessential hairdresser that inspired many other hairdressers to not be so perfect. That doesn't mean he's not perfect in his approach. What I'm saying is it's not about that perfect look in the end. It's about what does this hair say about the individual? I think he is very much into seeing hair as a material that has creative potential. And when I say hair, I mean all hair types. For me and many other... I was going to say other hairdressers, but I'm not a hairdresser. But I feel that the good hairdressers treat hair as a texture, just much like the good makeup artists treat skin as skin. It is a canvas. One texture when it comes to hair is not more difficult than the next. And I think when you are a true hair artist, you should go all out to create with all textures. Guido can literally whip hair into any shape he chooses but also he's not about doing all the things. I think there's an element you get to learn all of the techniques so that you can strip away some and remove parts and make them yours. In fact, I think one of my favorite Guido looks, I wouldn't say it's a signature because he has look after look, but I love his approach to the ponytail, for instance. A Guido ponytail can be anything that's like super slick with a side parting with a low straight ponytail or it could be this very loose one where the front looks as if it was neatly styled and then just before the model went out he decided to pull a chunk of it out at the front and then pin it with a beautiful clip it's all about that decision to move away from conventional beauty that he mentioned but at the same time he's always creating beauty in everything he does and I am personally grateful to know the work of Guido and I think that's a good note to end on. This Guido special was a long time coming. I think it could have been even longer, but, you know, I'd really need Guido's input for that. So again, Guido, if you listen to this, I would love to have you on. I also hope that Joy Matashi enjoyed it. Thank you so much for reminding me of Guido's work and sending me down the rabbit hole on this one because 
I've just really enjoyed looking back at his catalogue of work. I will be sure to share links to Guido's socials as well as the two articles I've referenced in this episode in the show notes. And do let me know what you thought of this episode. Do you like the idea of an episode dedicated to one person? And if you do, feel free to suggest who I should do next. You can DM me at Beauty Me Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or check out my TikTok at Sharice Kenyon. Don't forget, I'll definitely be sharing a Guido-focused video over there. And I'll also be sharing some more imagery in my newsletter, beautymenotes.substat.com. If you've liked what you've been listening to today, please feel free to leave the show a five-star review on Spotify or write a review on Apple or anywhere else you like to listen. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time.